Greetings, it's Terry at Cottage in the Court. Did you make a snowman last weekend? Did you get outside and lay on the ground and pull out your inner child and make a snow angel? Well, if you didn't, I hope at least you walk through your garden to admire the beauty of the snow-topped perennials, shrubs, and trees. I hope you gently brush the snow off of the fragile shrubs, and I hope you admired how the snow sat on the branches of the tall trees like cotton candy. I don't know about you, but I've waited for snow this year. We so needed it. Snow gives everyone a reason to pause, a legitimate reason, even though we've been pausing for the past year. Snow was just the icing on the cake. Now we just need some spring, right? Well, in the meantime, uh, last weekend I uh, did a seed share in my community. Some people cannot afford to buy seeds. Some people don't want to go out in the midst of this pandemic to purchase seeds. So I decided to sort my seeds, make a list, put it on next door, and share it with my neighbors. And let me tell you, I not only shared seeds, but I've also made some friends along the way. And I want to thank everyone in the District Heights community for supporting my seed share. Now, if you've got questions, uh, you might want to listen to Lisa Ziegler. I've known Lisa for quite some time. And she has a, a company called Gardener's Workshop. And she makes herself available for Q&A on Saturday mornings. So you want to check out the Gardener's Workshop. Their website is gardenersworkshop.com. Tell her Terry sent you. Just kidding. But Lisa knows me. She's just such a good person and has a wonderful, wonderful course on cut flowers as well. In the meantime, I've got Mrs. Know-It-All again, and we're going to talk about classifying seeds and plants. Annuals, biennials, perennials, what the heck are they? Well, she's going to help us out today. Here's my chat with Mrs. Know-It-All. How you doing, Denise? Good. How are you? Absolutely wonderful. It's always good to have Mrs. Know-It-All in the house. So let's talk about how plants are classified. Some people don't know the difference between annuals, biennials, perennials. Let's break it down for us. What do we need to know? Okay. So when we're talking about things that we grow from seeds or cuttings as a rule, we're usually talking about flowers or vegetables. Mm -hmm. Then there's uh, trees and shrubs, but we're not going to talk about them tonight. So annuals, exactly what they are, once a year. They're there every year, but you got to plant them every year. Grow them from seed, buy them as a plant, they're an annual. So a good example of annuals would be zinnias marigolds, tomatoes, peppers, those are annuals. Mm -hmm. Biennials include um, its sweet balsam, 
or sweet William, they call it too. And it is a type of impatience. That is a biennial. Mm-hmm. If you want to think of another biennial, think of parsley. So an annual flowers in the first year that it's grown. Mm-hmm. And then obviously it dies. A biennial grows its foliage the first year. Think of parsley, that we're always harvesting parsley. Mm-hmm. And it flowers the second year. Okay. And then it's done. It dies. A perennial is one that you can either grow it from seed, from cuttings. You may buy the plant and it will come back every year. It will die back to the ground, but it will put out new growth in the spring when it, nature finally says, okay, it's safe enough to come out and start growing again. Mm-hmm. Then there are ten. what you will see listed as a tender perennial. Mm-hmm. So for some places, you know, like for you, it might be a, a perennial. For me, mm-hmm. it might be a tender perennial because I'm a colder zone than you. Mm-hmm. So when they're selling something as a tender perennial and you see it listed like that, we call them crapshoots. <laughs> Because what will happen is if you have a, a good El Nino, as I like, to, I, I love a good El Nino because that means we've got mild winters and things come back. Mm-hmm. If you have something like Snowmageddon or the Arctic Clipper coming by, you, know, you can probably kiss it goodbye. Mm-hmm. It's, it's going to be too cold for it. Here again, it also depends on if you have it sighted correctly. So Mm -hmm. when it says protect from wind, you don't put it out in the front where it's going to get the wind from five directions. Right. It it may need a very well-draining soil. You don't want to put it in heavy clay. Mm -hmm. So these are all things that affect it. It may need mulched. So a good example of something that is reliably hardy here, but it does need some care, is Musa Baju which is the hardy banana. Mm -hmm. So you're not going to, you can get bananas off of Musa Baju. Mm -hmm. They're inedible. And you also need 18 months of warm weather. So (laughs) it doesn't matter. Right. You know, but up here, when we get a a frost, we cut it down and up here, it will easily grow to 10, 12 foot, which is, fine you know you put it by your pool or out in the garden you know a lot of public gardens have them and then it requires that it needs a well-draining soil it Mm -hmm. does like to be fed and it needs mulched lightly mulched Mm -hmm. and it ensures that it comes back every year now if we had it in so-so soil didn't feed it and didn't mulch it it doesn't come back. Okay. You know, otherwise it's really very hardy here. Now it'll do 10 to 12 feet in a season. Yes. Nice. Yeah. So if you're looking for the tropical look for your house, mm-hmm. that's the way to go. Okay. Now let's back up to the biennials. So the first year they put out the foliage. Correct. The second year they bloom and some of them, like foxglove, will drop the seed. Mm-hmm. 
should you move those little seedlings the first year or the second year? You want to wait till they're big enough to move, but you can move them the first year. Mm -hmm. So you want to wait till they've developed somewhat of a root system and at least three or four uh, sets of true leaves mm -hmm. so that you can dig them up and move them and they will survive. Okay. You don't want to, you know, as soon as it pops up, you don't want to dig them up and move them. Okay. And then what about the hollyhock? Hollyhocks, you can move, you know, um, it's an old fashioned flower. And I got to tell you, it has a beautiful flower, but I never grow them because if you get rain, they just turn to mush. Mm -hmm. and you know and it looks like crap the rest of the season because they mm -hmm. really don't keep re-blooming they just kind of get all their blooms out and then that's it yeah. they're done yeah. so yeah. you can move them and here again I still would wait until they developed enough foliage that they would have a good root system going and then move them and the same thing with your perennials as they expand in girth year after year after year When's the best time to divide them and move them around? So if it blooms in the spring, you divide it in the fall. If it is a fall bloomer, you divide it in the spring. Now there are a couple of exceptions and that would be the daylily. You pretty much can't kill a daylily, I've discovered. <laughs> yeah. You know, I've, I've seen people dig them up, throw them on a pile and go back a couple of days later. And it's like, oh, I got to plant this and they throw it in a pot. And then maybe a week later they plant it and it grows. Mm -hmm. So when you're dividing perennials, depending on the perennial. Um, so we'll talk about daylilies and we'll talk about hostas. So hostas should actually be divided in the fall which you would think you really want to, now you don't want to wait till you're going to have a frost next week. You want mm -hmm. it to develop some roots. You can divide them in the fall. And what I have found with them and also with daylilies is to use a pitchfork rather than a shovel mm -hmm. to lift them. And then it's a little messy, but it, it works very well. Get a five gallon bucket. You know, preferably one that doesn't have anything in it. Mm -hmm. Fill it with some lukewarm water and take the roots and dip them up and down. Kind of like you're trying to, you know, bathe a baby and just put it in the water and take it back up. And mm -hmm. that will help loosen the roots and you can divide it very easily. Now mm -hmm. you want to knock as much soil off as possible. But then once you've got it in the water, um, wear gloves. It's just easier on your hands. Mm -hmm. You can kind of um, tickle them and, and pull them apart that way. And you can get a lot more plants to share with friends or put more in your garden that mm -hmm. way. I, I, uh, I use like a little, like a little muck bucket. Um, and I really started using it aggressively last fall when the warning started coming out about the jumping worm. And being careful about moving soil to different places. And I'm like, you know, I'm not real certain what this worm looks like yet. So when I transplant, I just get that soil off as much as I possibly can. And then I put the plant where I'm going to move it. Okay. So speaking of jumping worms, which we do have here. Mm -hmm. So they're about mm, six inches long. Mm -hmm. And... 
they are right on the top of the soil. They're not like earthworms that, you know, when you dig down deep and you know, you find a couple of worms there. They're actually right in the, they eat all of your organic matter and just leave duff. They're very destructive. Mm -hmm. They're not eating plants. They're just eating the organic matter. And then there's really nothing left for your plants. It's a huge concern in, you know, uh, the, urban, uh, the uh, rural forest, like, mm -hmm. you know, the um, Allegheny National Forest, they're uh, an issue there. They're from Wisconsin. So a cold winter is not going to kill them right off the bat. <laughs> That's true. That is true. Yeah. So, so, but with the root washing doesn't really take care of it because what happens is the eggs are so small that when they attach, you can't really tell that they're attached to the roots. Oh, wow. You know, so it's difficult to do that. Now, it is suggested that you subject plants that you suspect have the eggs on it to. Um, a certain degree, you, you'd have to look online. It, they have to be bathed in pretty much hot water, not warm water, hot water to kill the eggs. So if you're going to share plants, you're better off doing cuttings okay. with friends rather than, you know, because you can very easily transmit them, you know, uh, in the soil because the eggs are so small, you can't see them. If you're going to you know, do the root washing, keep it on your own property. Uh, that's okay. why a lot of master gardener organizations have gotten away from doing um, plant swaps. Now they're doing either seed swaps or they're doing cuttings mm -hmm. that they can share with people. Well, it makes sense. It makes sense. You can maintain and, control that way. Right. And I have to tell you, you know, uh, a mutual friend of ours, Martha, mm -hmm had them in her garden and I hadn't seen them, but so we went into her garden and she was showing me and she has a box turtle who comes up from the woods and hangs out in her garden during the summer. And his name is Ernie because there's a, an, his, the markings on his shell is an E. So they call him Ernie. <laughs> and anyhow, so we got one of the worms and, you know, she deserved the mulch and he like, they jump around, literally, that's why they're called uh, jumping worms. Mm -hmm. And they're almost as thick as my little finger. So they're not, mm -hmm. they're almost like a small snake. Yeah. And don't kill snakes, please, because they eat jumping worms. So please, you know, let the snakes be. You, mm -hmm. you can tell the difference between a worm and a snake, at least I hope so. Mm -hmm. um, but anyhow, so I grabbed it and Ernie was there and I put the worm down in front of him and he kind of cocked his head and looked at it and then he went chomp and two more chomps and the worm was gone. Ernie ate him. And so I think maybe now that's why he's hanging out in Martha's garden all the time. He eats her lettuce, but the little lettuces versus the jumping worms, you know, is a good trade-off. So Ernie gets a paycheck for eating the jumping worms. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Not bad, not bad. Yeah. So about that well-drained soil, mm -hmm. um, tell me a little bit more about, like, could we use pit moss to enhance our soil? Yes, they make two different types. Some is um, for pots and house plants, and the other is actually to be mixed in the soil. Mm -hmm. And okay. it helps enrich the soil. You know, uh, it does help retain moisture. It's not peat based. It's actually um, made from recycled papers. Mm -hmm. 
and uh, it's very lightweight, which is always a bonus for gardeners like me who have terrible backs mm -hmm. and bad knees. And so it's, it's really easy to work with. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you wet it down. Like I said, any type of potting mix, you always have to wet down. Mm -hmm. just makes it easier for watering. watering. Now, um, you want to make sure your soil does have good drainage. Mm -hmm. And so if it's at the bottom of a slope, it may stay a little wetter. So you want to maybe if you're going to have plants there, you want a raised bed mm -hmm. rather than one that's just right into the soil. Mm -hmm. I like raised beds. It always helps with uh, drainage and, you know, we've, I've gotten as much as six or seven inches during a rainstorm mm -hmm. and, you know, so it's, po it's ponding a lot. So raised beds always help reduce the uh, risk of rotting your plants out as well. And then of course, don't add sand. I, I hear people say, well, I'm going to add sand to it. And it's just like, you ever made cement that helps make your soil harder right. and less porous right so you know actually add some good compost mm -hmm. uh, whether you make it yourself or you buy it mm -hmm. and mix it in with the soil and that helps keep it aerated allows oxygen in and doesn't compact which is always a problem especially if it's in an area where you walk mm -hmm. or the dog walks or the deer walk. Mm -hmm. Does the pit moss clump? Clump, how do you mean? Does it, when you, when you wet it down, when you mix it in with your soil, it won't cause clumps, will it? Like if I have clay soil no. and I want to enhance it. You mix it in with it and it okay. helps keep it aerated. Okay. And you would add the pit moss and compost or one or the other? Or it you doesn't matter? Both. You, you, you can add both. You know, pit, pit moss is a soil amendment. Compost feeds your soil. There's nutrients in it. Do not use compost tea. I know people that are like, oh, I make compost tea. Compost is great. Compost tea can actually uh, give you salmonella and also transmit E. coli. And so if you have someone with a compromised immune system, such as someone who's elderly, somebody who's... Uh, getting chemo or some other treatment like that for young children whose immune systems just simply aren't that built up, you know, can actually contract it. So okay. it's uh, what happens with compost tea is it anaerobically composts. Mm -hmm. Microbes really aren't available after the first 20 minutes or so. Mm -hmm. So that's why you want to use the compost rather than the compost tea. Okay. Okay. So we have annuals, we've got biennials, we've got perennials, both of which we need to not move them as soon as we see them, give them a little time to get their grow right. on. Um, and then we have tender perennials, which will vary depending on the zones. Now, you're zone six, right? Are you six A or B? I am six B for my location. Mm -hmm. I am a cool six B. Okay. You know, a warm 6B. Right. You can grow camellias. I yes. can only dream about them. They just simply don't survive our winters here. And they're so beautiful too. Yes. But I can grow a great Japanese maple. All right. Well, hey, give me an annual that you're excited about growing this year. An annual. Well, I'm doing 
let's see. Oh, I know. I'm growing a um, radish. It's yellow. It's gold, actually. Oh. And the name escapes me right now. I want to say holy, but I don't, I'm not sure. I'd have to go look at the seed packet. For and eating or for the for the pods for arrangements or both? Eating. Oh, oh. for eating. Oh, golden radish. Okay. Yeah. Um, no, it, it's actually a pretty bright gold. So I'm looking forward to that. And I am growing a, um, it's called Bigna caudata. It is a vine. Mm -hmm. um, uh, why can't I think of the common name? I can always think of the botanical name. It's uh, has a curly bloom, right? Yes. Yes. Oh, and you know what else I'm growing? I'm growing a, I just got the seeds from Park Seed and it is, I never grow morning glories just because you always have morning glories. Mm -hmm. This one is a ruffled pink. So it kind of looks a little bit like a small peony flower, Ooh. but it, it's just kind of twisted. It's really pretty and it's pink. It's called split ends. And it's a vine? Yes, it's a morning glory. And it's called split ends. That sounds cute. Yeah, it is. It, it, it's a kind of a medium pink with a little bit of white in it. Uh, oh, wow. A friend of it had posted it on her Facebook page last year. I'm like, oh my, what is that? And it's actually, they call it a Japanese morning glory. It's a more, it's still a morning glory. Huh, corkscrew vine. Yes. Is that the one you're growing, corkscrew vine? Yeah, the other one. Yeah, that's corkscrew vine. Yeah, okay, okay. Two cool split ends. I'm gonna have to look for that one. And it's pink. So it's that's pink. a good thing. <laughs> I love pink. Are you gonna grow any uh, exciting new perennials this year? I am going to be growing a, um, say, a Nepeta cat mint mm -hmm. and called Cat's Pajamas. And I'll be growing that. And I'm growing a phlox uh, called Unique Red. It's actually pink, a deep pink. Mm -hmm. uh, but it, And it's Y-O-U-N-I-Q-U-E. Oh, that sounds fun. Yeah. And it's um, a shorter one. Mm -hmm. And then I'm also growing a stochesia called Peachy Parasols. It's blue. I'm not sure why they call it peachy parasols, but it's blue. But it's really, the flower is very large. And huh. it's a very compact plant. We're going to have to talk one day about the history of how some plants get their names. You know, because if it's blue, why are they calling it peachy? You know what? Plant patent names are a world of their own. And sometimes it's not necessarily to describe the plant itself, but rather what's available. Mm -hmm. Ah, okay. That could, you know, al although there are some plants that are named after people, you know, there's trees and shrubs. Mm -hmm. uh, there's several books on how they got their names. Mm -hmm. that, that, that would be a very interesting topic to explore. Well, for now we've, we can at least intelligently look at our seed catalogs or go into the garden center and know what we're looking at, annual, biennial, perennial, tender perennial. And we have a little more education. It's like we're going into the, the garden center armed with information. So uh -huh. thank you. Thank you so much for being here for us. And I look forward to our next chat, okay? Oh, I, I am too.
Okay. Have a great week. Okay. You too. Now, I don't know about you, but I always appreciate my friends that have stories to tell. Stories can make some of the most common subjects just a little bit more relatable. Thank you, Denise. And I really hope I get to meet Ernie one day. In the meantime, I want to share a couple more items with you. A friend of mine, Katie Dubow, hosts a show for Homestead Gardens every Monday at noon. This coming Monday, February 8th, she will be speaking with Amanda Shepard on Seed Starting Part 2. Let me tell you, it's the best lunch break in town. You can pull it up on Homestead Gardens Facebook page. Homestead Gardens really is a great community supporter. They help me out with my seed share. And we should listen to them. They are a resource in the DMV. Also, if you're looking for unique Valentine's gifts, here's a tip. Two things. Both of them will definitely let your loved one know that you're just a little different. If your loved one has houseplants, consider buying a cute humidifier. Why not? Right about this time of the year, the inside air is just a tad dry. Most people aren't thinking about a humidifier to add a little moisture to the air for the healthiest houseplants ever. So think outside the box. Consider a humidifier. Also, consider some Marimo moss balls. I know, it sounds strange, but they're the cutest thing. The Sill has a Marimo moss ball kit. The Sill, let me tell you what they say about themselves. They are a modern plant destination for the modern plant lover. Hop on over to thesill.com. Check out the Marimo moss balls and you'll understand what a modern plant is and you'll understand how your loved one will go. That's different. Check out the sill, thesill.com. And of course, you can listen to Mrs. Know-It-All on Sundays. Her information is in the links along with everybody else I mentioned. And in the meantime, let's just think about spring. Nesting, nesting, nesting with those seed catalogs, with all the latest books that are out there. Spring is going to come. We don't care what the groundhog said. I ask that you follow me. My Facebook page, Cottage in the Court. My website, Cottage in the Court. And on Instagram and Twitter, Cottage in Court. And occasionally, I write on Medium. Enjoy the rest of the week.